Good evening. Good to see you guys here this evening. Trust you've come to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. We want to go to the Lord in prayer this evening as we start and begin our service before we get into worship. Uh, a couple of things that I know of we need to mention. Uh, one of them is Sister Nancy. He's having just one, just a knee replacement tomorrow at Duncan. I believe it's at Duncan. So let's remember Nancy and Don. The Lord will keep them safe. And, and the Lord will cause everything to go well and speed healing and recovery to her so she can walk around. I noticed Sunday night, she in Sunday morning, she was really struggling to walk. So um, just pray that this will be successful in every way. And what the doctors can't do, God just finish it and make it perfect. So remember that. Remember uh, Faith's. Let's stand. Yes, Sherry, I'm sorry. Okay. Remember Brenda Norton in our prayers tonight? All right. And let's just remember our service and remember our church. We're just going to believe in God that God's going to do some mighty things in our hearts and in our lives. So everyone that can and will, would you stand with us and let's pray. And then as we remain standing, Sister Julie, Brother Dennis, lead us in worship tonight. Father God, we come to you Lord, first of all, to say thank you, Lord, for this day. To say thank you, Lord God, because that you are always with us. Your word declares that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And Lord, the best blessing from you that we have is your presence in our heart and in our life. Because, Father, in your presence is everything we need for life and godliness. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all provision, all supply. You are the God of healing. You are the God of deliverance. You are the Lord God of intervention. You are the Lord God of everything that we need you to be in our hearts and in our lives. And we thank you for that, Father. Father, we bring before you these needs that we know about. Father, those that are on our prayer list. Lord, minister to them, minister to their hearts and to their lives, we pray. Father, we pray, Lord, for Sheila tonight, Lord God, asking you, Lord, just to minister to her spirit, soul, and body. Holy Spirit, surround and envelop her with your power and your presence. And Lord, help her, Lord, to call upon the name of the Lord, Lord, even in the, the, the circumstance that she is in. Father God, we know that if we call upon the name of the Lord, you hear us and you answer us up. We uh, ask you, Lord God, to be with Sister Nancy. Lord, as she goes in for this knee replacement tomorrow, Father God, we're just asking you, Lord, to cause everything to go well. Give the doctors wisdom. Give them understanding. Lord, give them insight uh, that only comes from you. Lord, just minister to her and through her. Father God, bless Brother Don and bless them both together. And Lord, we just pray for speedy healing and recovery in her body that she'll be able to move and get around more like 
like she desires to in her heart and in her life. Lord God, we pray for Brenda Norton, Norton tonight. Father God, minister to her. Father, spirit, soul, and body, touch her life. Lord, everything, Father God, that needs healing, heal it, Father, in Jesus' name, and lift her up. Holy Spirit, envelop her, encourage her, and strengthen her. Lord God, bring, uh, Holy Spirit, bring scriptures to her mind, Lord, that she can repeat over and over again and hang on to, Lord God, and stand on and trust you for. Lord, bless and guide and direct us in our service time tonight. Lord God, Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your way. Move amongst us, Lord God, and, and just touch us and help us, Lord, to go from this place, Lord, revived and renewed and, and, and motivated, Lord, to reach those in our, in our world, Lord, that we have contact with, with the love and the life and the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father God, bless our, our worship together, and may it be an acceptable, uh, uh, sweet-smelling uh, 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 odor, a sweet-smelling fragrance, Father God, to you as we worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, Father. And for all of these things, we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation, Jesus. There is a light that overwhelms the darkness. There is a kingdom that forever reigns. There is freedom from the chains that bind us. He is Jesus, Jesus, who walks on the water, who speaks to the sea, who stands in the fire beside me. There is a song that comforts in the night. There is a voice that calms the storm that rages. He is Jesus, Jesus, who walks on the water, who speaks to the sea, who stands in the fire beside
speak to the sea you stand in the fire beside me you roar like a lion you bled as a lamb you carry my healing in your hand god you
what we need sister julie can we do that course again let's just and make it a prayer just pray this god you're my peace you're my peace i like that that last part of that sweep over my spirit forever i pray in fathomless do we understand the word fathomless it's a it's a measurement it's a maritime measurement and it tells them how deep the water is underneath the ship but this writer says it's fathomless you can't measure it there is no end to the deepness of his love. There's no end to the deepness of his peace. Sister Julie, go ahead. Oh, peace, peace, wonderful peace, flowing down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows of love. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, that right now, we sense that mighty peace. Lord, it comes from you. The songwriter said it so well, coming down from the Father above. Oh, Father, thank you for that peace. That peace that lets us know everything is going to be all right. 
that peace that lets us know, Father God, that you are in control. Nothing is taking you by surprise. Nothing, Lord, is coming and sneaking up on you, blindsided. Nothing, Lord God, in this world, nothing in our life that we face has caught you unaware. And you give us your peace. Your peace. Jesus, you said it this way. My peace I give unto you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Thank you, Lord God, for that tonight. Lord, and I pray that that peace that we sense right here and right now in this place, Lord, that somehow through your spirit you will send that out, Lord, to everyone that's hearing, everyone that's maybe watching this or may watch this in, in some time to come, that they will experience and know the peace that only you give, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Sister Julie, Brother Dennis, thank you guys so, so much. We missed you last week, but we appreciate it when you're here. Oh, you may be seated. You already are. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. No, you didn't. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes it just, it's okay just to shut up and just soak it in and soak it in. I can't tell you how it feels, and you just got to feel it for yourself. And I trust that you are. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be all right. I hear the Father say, it's going to be all right here now and in that time to come it's going to be okay amen thank you Lord thank you Lord in your Bibles this evening let's look for a few minutes if you will to the book of 1 Kings and I am not going to read the whole chapter but we're going to go through parts of chapter 18. For most of us that have been in church probably any length of time, this is a very familiar scripture to a lot of us. I'll give you a little bit of background. Elijah is prophet in Israel. And Elijah is used by the Lord in a lot of different ways. King Ahab, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same King Ahab that was married to Jezebel. <laughs> if you go back in chapter 16, he married Jezebel, and guess who she followed? It wasn't God. <laughs> she followed Baal, and Ahab, the Bible says, began to worship to bow down and worship to, to Baal. Elijah prophesied to, in verse chapter 17, Elijah prophesies to King Ahab. Verse 1, he says, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve. It's interesting that he put that in there because he knew Ahab wasn't serving God. He was supposed to be. 
There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now you stop and think about this for a minute. That's a pretty bold statement. Ahab is king of Israel. He is in total control. He can have people killed. He can have people set up and, 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 and exalted. He can have them wiped out, whatever. But Elijah makes a statement, and I love this. He said, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel is, the God I serve. Now understand this, big boy. You may be king, but the God I serve is bigger. And he says, there will be no dew nor rain for the next few years until I give the word. God had entrusted him with some pretty big responsibility. Now, why was this? Because if you look there that, that back in that, in that uh, 16th chapter, Ahab married Jezebel, who worshipped Baal, and he began to start doing that Baal worship. He began to bow himself in worship to Baal. And the Bible tells us that it did not rain. Elijah leaves him, goes to Zarephath and finds a widow there and she's gathering sticks for her last meal for her and her son. Elijah kind of says, you know, he's asked her what she's doing. She says, I'm getting all this ready. He asked for a cup of water first and then he asked her to bring some bread. She says, I don't have any bread. I'm fixing to make the last meal for my son and I. We're going to eat that. We're going to die. You know, things are, it's, it's that serious. The drought had taken place. <coughs> I'll tell you kind of how bad the drought last year was. With the rain, not counting last night, but with the rain we'd had so far, we were digging a hole. And those of you that know what I do for a living understand. We were digging a hole. We got about four inches from the bottom, and we hit dirt and hard clay like it had never seen a drop of rain for the last hundred years. I pulled that up in the bucket of that track hoe, and I dumped it in the back of the dump truck we used, and I'm going, wait a minute. We've been digging mud for the last three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, five feet, and now we're hitting dry stuff. Droughts are, in, are, are very serious things. Elijah had promised, had prophesied, he didn't promise it, he prophesied a drought. It's not going to rain for three years, for a few years, he said. We notice it changes. He goes to the widow of Zarephath, and you know the story. She's going to make a cake. And he said, make me a cake first. He wasn't being selfish. He wasn't being rude. It sounds that way. Elijah, just make me a cake first. Well, you big fat rascal, you. You know, who asked? But she did. But then he promised her the, the flour, the, the bucket of flour, the cruise of oil will not fail. Now, I, I thought about this on the way in, and I, I wonder sometimes if the, she used the last bit of oil and the last bit of flour every day. It's all gone. Got up the next morning, and there's some more got up the next morning, and this continued on and on and on for quite some time. 
We go to chapter 18 so that you kind of understand what's going on. Verse 1. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. In this meantime, when you stop and think about it, the famine had become so severe that Ahab called one of the, his, the guy who was in charge of the palace named Obadiah, and he said, look, man, I'm just going to put this in Oklahoma English. He said, the drought's so bad that the horses and the mules and the cows are starving to death. We need to search out the land we've got. We've got to find the last of the watering holes so that we can spare the horses and the mules and find them grass to eat on and then keep them alive and spare most, maybe some of the cows. And that's how serious it was. So him and Obadiah split up, they split up their area and Ahab says, I'm going this way and Obadiah goes this way. Whichever way it was, the Bible doesn't say, doesn't matter. Now, the thing about Obadiah that we want to look at real quick, he was a devoted, devoted, devoted follower of the Lord. Once when Jezebel tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden a hundred of them in caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. Verse 7 says, As Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. Obadiah recognized him at once and bowed low to the ground before him. Is it really you, my lord, Elijah, he asked. Yes, it is, Elijah replied. Now go and tell your master, Elijah is here. Okay, I won't read all the rest of this. Obadiah, in essence, says, are you trying to get me killed? Ever since three years ago, ever since you left Ahab, he has been trying to hunt you down, and he's gone everywhere and sent messengers everywhere to ask where if they've seen you, and if and if they come back and tell him that they haven't seen you, and then he finds out he goes in and, and he wrecks havoc with them. If I go tell Ahab that Elijah's here, he's going to kill me. Not counting the fact I'm hiding a hundred. You know, followers of the Lord, 50 in one cave, 50 in another, and I'm feeding. He finds out that, he's sure enough going to have me. This is how bad Ahab had gotten. Because had Obadiah not hidden these people, Ahab and Jezebel would have had them killed a long time ago. They hated God. They hated Elijah. Oh boy, did they hate him. But he goes on to say that. He tells them this. But Elijah said, verse 15, But Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty on, in whose presence I stand that I will present myself to Ahab this very day. Verse 16, Obadiah goes to tell Ahab that Elijah has come and Ahab went out to meet him. Don't you just love how when people get themselves in trouble they blame it on somebody else? Ahab walks in there and he sees Elijah. Well, there's that troublemaker in Israel. Oh, really? Now remember, God has told Elijah to go find Ahab and tell him, I'm, I'm sending rain. 
I like Elijah. That man has some, he has some confidence in the God he serves. Let me find myself where I'm at. Verse 18, I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. Simple enough. Gather everybody to Mount Carmel, bring the 450 prophets of Baal, bring those 400. Now remember, they call them prophets, but they weren't prophets, were they? They were not prophets of God anyway. Let's put it that way. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And they acted like a bunch of church folks. They wouldn't say a word. Now, I said church folks. I didn't say they were Christians. I said church folks. There is a difference. And you need to decide which one you is. And I'm not, I'm not calling that one. You and the Lord take care of that. So we know what happens here. Elijah says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We have two bulls here. We're going to, you, you pick your bull and I'll, and I'll take the one that's left over. You build yourself an altar and you lay that bull on the altar and you get the wood and you get all the stuff to, to sacrifice your, your animal. And you call on the name of Baal and let the God who answers by fire be the God of Israel. There are a lot of prophets in the world today, church, but they cannot do what the power and the presence of God Almighty can do. I think as David calls them dumb idols. They can't speak, they can't hear, they can't act, they can't do anything. They just sit there. And he tells them all, so they do all of this. They do there. They get started. And Elisha lets them go first. Gentlemen, if nothing else. Okay, you guys get started. And they get started. They go doing whatever, you know, it is you do as a prophet of Baal. They call on the name Baal from morning until noontime shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. Bible says, but there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they'd made. Elisha is something else. The Bible says, about noontime, 
Elisha began mocking them. Okay, now we quit being a nice guy. What does he say to them? You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or is relieving himself. Or maybe he's away on a trip or asleep or needs to be awakened. And they did. The Bible says they shouted louder and followed their normal custom. They cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all, isn't this interesting? Does sound like the world? They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound, no reply, no response. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just, but worship, Baal worship does not sound like what I want to get involved in. I don't like hurting myself. I don't even like smashing, stubbing my toe on the, you know, on the, <laughs> on the, uh, the doggy gate. I got up the other night and so helped me if I didn't trip over that thing and just crash and I made more racket and face go, are you all right? Are you all right? And it's like, yeah, I'm fine. I just knocked the dog gate down. I don't like doing that. That's a bad thing. All of this time till evening. We know the story. The evening time, Elijah says, everybody come here. They crowded around him, repaired the altar of the Lord that had been put down. He took the stones. He used the stones to rebuild the altar. He dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold three gallons piled wood on the altar, cut the bull in pieces, laid pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. And they'd done this. He said, do it again. When they finished, he said, do it a third time. And the Bible says the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. How many of you ever tried to start fire with wet wood? How many of you know what an acetylene torch is? You couldn't even start fire and wet wood fire with an acetylene torch, and that's some hot stuff. Why? Because it's soaked. The water crowds out all of the. Now, besides the fact it didn't, the wood's now wet. The water also crowds out all of the oxygen molecules needed for that fire to burn, so there's no oxygen to to help it to ignite. It's soaking wet. I often wondered about, but as I read this, I realized where they got. There had to be springs of water still going somewhere because Ahab and them were looking for the last of the springs that hadn't dried up. They found it somewhere. And then Elijah prays. Simple prayer. Simply says, Lord, prove today that you're God in Israel and I'm your servant. Elijah couldn't prove it. Let me say this tonight. You and I do not have to prove to the world that we're a child of God. If you know in your heart and in your life, if you know for yourself that your relationship with right is right with God, you do not have to prove anything. How do I know? Look at the temptation of Jesus. By Satan. If you're the Son of God, 
you kind of want to look at Satan and say, you big dummy. He created you. Don't you remember that? But as temptations, where if you're the son of God, do this. If you Prove to me, prove that you are who you say you are. And Jesus did not have to prove anything to him because he knew that his father was appreciative and his father loved him and he was doing his father's will. You can call me what you want. You can say what you want to about me. But as long as I know in my heart that my relationship with God is where it ought to be, and if it's not, I'm working on making it better, then you can talk till you're blue in the face until you run out of air. I don't have to prove anything to you. You don't have to prove anything to me. But you do the Father. Don't forget that. He's the one in charge. He also goes on to say, Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. You have brought them back to yourself. We know the story. Immediately, fire came down from God out of heaven, licked up the sacrifice, burned up the wood, licked up the ashes around and sucked all of the water. You stop and think about what kind of fire. How big a fire and how hot a fire would it take to sit there and vaporize all that water? It was hot. Might not have been. I don't know. But it did the job. When it was all said and done, there wasn't anything left but the altar itself. The water was gone. The wood was gone. The sacrifice was gone children of Israel said the Lord he is God sometimes I wonder if God doesn't let us go through things until we get to the point where we say without a shadow of a doubt it doesn't matter what's going on it doesn't matter what I see it doesn't matter what it looks like around me the Lord he is God. When we can get to that point, when we, in our circumstance, doesn't matter what the circumstance is, and there are some difficult circumstances. I had a young lady I felt so sorry for, called the office, found out that two or three weeks ago her dad had died and she didn't know it and she was trying to find where they had buried her dad and what and i felt you know it's like i got she's look she said they're supposed to be at your cemetery and and i looked and i said huh i said i called her back i looked i searched everything i could find i looked at invoice receipts and i looked <laughs> <laughs> all the records and stuff. It wasn't in our computer. And I called him. I said, honey, we just don't have him out here. We don't have any record of him ever being brought out here. And I tried to give her some ideas. But you know what? I felt so, so how sad to come into something like that. But as hard as that situation is probably for her, God is still God. The Lord, he is God. That's our, that's our foundation, church. 
The church's foundation is Jesus Christ, but it is also God. The fact that he is God, he never changes. He doesn't lie. He is consistent day in and day out. He is the same. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as told us in the book of Hebrews, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He says of himself, I change not. There is one thing. Somebody said there's nothing uh, constant in this world but death and taxes. And I got one better than that. There is one constant in this world, and he is the Lord God Almighty. And him do we serve. The faithful and true witness he calls himself. We know the story. It came. It licked up all the water. But notice here in verse 40. Then Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. Now notice this. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. This is the thought that came to me when I got to thinking about that. Who killed him? Who killed the 450 prophets of Baal? Elijah did. Why? Before God gets ready to do what he's going to do, and this is what I see from this, this, this passage of Scripture today. Before God gets ready to do what he wants to do and what he has been promising us that he is going to do, he is going to get rid of everything that is contrary to him. Do you understand? Where was the problem? The problem started at back in chapter 16 when Ahab married Jezebel who worshipped Baal and got Ahab to worshipping Baal. Now, a few chapters later, the story changes and Elisha gets afraid. I still don't understand that, but anyway, that's him and the Lord. But at this point in time, Elisha is very convinced that he is doing what God has called him to do and he did what needed to be done. When you kill the prophets of Baal, because they've already been shown that Baal is nothing but a stupid statue built somewhere. It can't do anything. It can't even hear you. When we get rid of the things that hinder God moving or God moves them out of the way, then God will do what he wants to do. Now, what does he want? Let me, let me get real gentle here for a moment. I'll probably try to be gentle anyway, but what I'm going to say is, if what we're doing is not pleasing to God, what God wants to do is show us. And here, here, here is my outlook on this. Lord, if I'm doing something that's hindering you from moving, please wake me up about it so I can repent of it and get rid of it. God's not interested in, in getting rid of people. God is getting interested only in getting rid of the things that stand in the way of him working in us and for us and through us. 
Elisha had to kill the 450 prophets of Baal. I don't know about the 400. Hopefully he killed all of them. I mean, that was a chore of, a, of itself. But you have to, the sin has to be gotten rid of. The things that are displeasing to God have to be moved out of the way. The enemy wants to bring that stuff in and just, you know, he sneaks the stuff in. He doesn't come walking through the door blazing, ta da da, I'm here. No, he sneaks in. He's a thief. The thief cometh but for to kill, steal, and destroy. How do thieves work? At night, stealthily, they sneak in. And that's what he tries to do. He sneaks stuff in. But church, I have good news for you. God has given us the authority in the name of Jesus to declare that everything that is displeasing to God, that is hindering him moving and doing what he wants to do, in this house has to go and be gone in the name of Jesus. Brother Rogers did a pretty good, we are doing spiritual warfare. We're getting rid of the stuff that is hindering God doing what God wants to do. Now in Elijah's case, 400, at least 450, probably 850 people died but you got to start cleansing somewhere. God says his house will be clean. God says his house will be a house of righteousness. God said his house will be a house of uh, peace and joy and love. But you've got to have the righteousness of God. You've got to have the holiness of God to be the church that God wants us to be. You can't do it without it. Follow peace with all men and, and, and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. It works. I think Paul writes that. Purge your house, Lord. Clean the house up. Can be done, and if we will, God will see to it that great things happen. And then I like in verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now, the King James Version says the sound of abundance of rain. What he's talking about in, 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 my, in Oklahoma and Texas terms, he's talking about a good, old-fashioned, night-long gully washer. I drove by a pond that we drive by all the time on Primrose. That thing's nearly full after last night. It must have rained cats and dogs. Well, no, it rained a lot of rain. It didn't rain cats and dogs. It rained rain. Feel that? I mean, the ground was wet enough that it was running off, and it nearly filled that man's pond up. And I bet he's going, "Yes." Hopefully, he's going, "Thank you, Lord." He said, "I hear a mighty rainstorm coming," and it, I, I don't know why, but it never dawned on me what I, what Elijah did. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He went back up on that same mountain where God had answered. And the Bible says that he bowed himself before God put his face between his knees and began to pray. God had already told him, I'm sending you go tell Ahab rain's coming. Not because of anything you've done, Ahab, but because that I have mercy 
on people. And it doesn't say that, but I, the God I serve is a God of mercy. He would rather show mercy than judgment if he can, if he can do it. He says to his servant, go out and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked. I didn't see nothing. Elisha told him that go do that seven times. Now we know the story. In verse 44 he says, the finally the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. Rising from the sea. Now you and I know, or I guess you do, clouds a long ways away can look awfully small. But Elijah recognized something. Okay, it looks, you can put your hand out there and you can cover that with your hand. There's a whopper coming. There is a deluge coming. anybody see where God's going with this when you got rid of the stuff that hindered him the deluge comes when you with when the stuff that is that is opposing God is gotten rid of and moved out of the way and gotten out of people's lives the deluge comes I've sat in these in these pews and in this sanctuary listen to these different preachers come through and I've heard God say through them more than once God has things planned for us. They're not just spouting off words, church. I truly believe these men have spoken by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what God wants to do. This is what God wants to do right here. Right here. How many of you know He wants to do it right now? And He will do it. Why not tell us this? Because I believe you, those of us that are here, those of us that are faithful to watch, are the ones who are going to keep praying. And we're going to pray this thing in, church. We are going to pray this thing in. And there's not a demon in hell. There's not a, there, the Satan himself. If he gets in the way, God will knock him out of the way like getting hit by a freight train. A fast-moving one at that. What God wants to do can and will be done. And I think there's a pattern here for us to see. Elijah shouts, hurry up. Hurry to Ahab tell him, get in your chariot and get home, boy. Because if you don't, you fix to get stuck in the mud. And that's just me. But he said, right over here says, climb in your chariot, go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon, the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab quickly left for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, how do you know that was a miracle of God? I haven't seen a man yet can run faster than a four-legged horse by himself. I don't care if he's trying to run you over. That horse is going to run you over. You ain't near fast enough. But the one thing I want us to get this. 
when we pray for, what can we do? We can pray, Lord, is there anything? First of all, start with yourself. Sister Carol said this the other day in Sunday school class, and I, I appreciated it. And I hope that in some way I'm getting close to that. When we start looking at ourselves first, Lord, what about me? What, what needs to be changed about me? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to work with? What, I mean, what do I need to let you take care of and get rid of out of my life? I start with me. Sister Carol made a statement that people that would do that are people that are, have some, some, and I'm going to put it this way, some spiritual Christian maturity about them. Secondly, what do we do? Lord, clean your house. Pray the, that's just a prayer. This is part of the spiritual warfare. Lord, get rid of all of the stuff that's not pleasing to you. Move it out of the way. Get rid of it. And then, Lord, send the deluge. And we're going to stand there and in it, and we're just going to bask in it and just enjoy it for all we're worth. But after Mount Carmel's first experience was getting rid of, not only did God answer by fire, but God got rid of the evil that was in the land of Israel. And then God sent the deluge. He sent the gully washer. That's, I believe there's a spiritual principle in that just as well as there was a, a physical one. There is a spiritual principle in that for us. And why I tell you this? Because I believe that if you and I will continue to pray, God, get rid of the stuff. I don't care what it is. And you just get rid of it. Move it out. Holy Spirit, move it out. Fire. We need to fire the Holy Spirit to clean a bunch of stuff up. Burn it off. Burn what needs to be burnt and get rid of it. Blow it all away and then sit there and deluge us with the water and have the Holy Spirit and move so that lives, souls are saved. So that souls are saved, bodies are healed, mind, spirit, soul, and body, healing occurs, and people are filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. I believe the Lord, if he's starting it across in our communities, uh, it doesn't matter if we are, if we're the, quote, silver-haired crowd. God will do it on us just as well as he said. Jesus, I read to enjoy. What did he say? He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. On my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out my spirit. It's for everybody. And he'll do it. But we gotta get a we got we gotta get some house cleaning done. God help us to get rid of the house cleaning done. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the example of a man like Elijah who would serve you. Lord, I know he kind of messed up later when Jezebel threatened him, but you brought that to pass too. Father, help us to realize there is something we can do to bring about what you want to do, what you have promised us more than once more than twice that you promised that you want to do in this house Father right now in the name of Jesus I plead the blood of Jesus over this church family Father God I pray Lord that whatever things are exist that are not right in your sight and that are displeasing to you that Holy Spirit through your power and through your fire 
you will burn it all off and get rid of it. Lord, just like Elijah killed those 450 prophets of Baal and those 400 Ashtaroth prophets to get rid of the sin and the, and the things that were wrong, and Lord, you would eventually get rid of, not too long after that, you would get rid of Ahab and Jezebel both because they didn't serve you. It wasn't because you wanted to, but they wouldn't change their ways. Father God, I pray for a cleansing in this house. Start it in us. Start it in me, Father. If there is anything, Holy Spirit, help me see it. Help me to understand it and get rid of it. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that as you as that's cleansing, Lord, send the rain. Send the mighty deluge of your Holy Spirit, Father God, upon this house, upon this people and this church body, I pray. Lord, that we will see souls saved that we will see lives changed, people healed and delivered, and people filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. And Father God, for all of it, I give you the praise and the honor and the glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, all Christians praying, please. Talked about an incident in the Old Testament. But the same thing is true if you want Jesus to be a part of your life. You have to be willing to let go of the sin that you're walking in. You have to be willing to say, I've made a mess. I'm living a way God's not pleased with. But understand this, God wants to help you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free so that you can follow him, so that you can serve him understand that this Jesus that I talked about when he said talked about his peace when he talked about what he does can do this same God that helped Elijah will help you live a Christian life if you really want it but you've got to get rid of the sin you've got to get rid of those things that are displeasing to God because there will not be any evil thing no sinful thing will enter into heaven God says that and the greatest joy that you can have is knowing Jesus is saving Lord of your life. He will help you get rid of the sin. He will wash you with his blood on the inside. He will wash your spirit, man. He will save you and cleanse you and give you a, de a desire to follow him and to, to, to obey him in all that he says. And his commandments aren't grievous. I ask you tonight, would you make Jesus saving Lord of your life? Would you invite him in? Just like Elijah had to get rid of those people that were causing the people to sin and, and get rid of them. When you get rid of the sin, when you let Jesus cleanse the sin out of you and purge that out of you, then you can walk and you can experience God's blessings. You can experience, and the most important thing you will experience is a relationship with God as Father, with Jesus as Savior and Lord, with the Holy Spirit as your teacher and your guide and your comforter. I encourage you to do that. All you got to seem to do is say, Lord, Jesus, I've made a mess. My life is a total disaster. But come in. Remove the sin out of my life. I can't do it by myself. And you can't. Understand, you can't remove it yourself. Doing all the good stuff you can do and trying to be as nice as you can be isn't good enough. You've got to simply say, Jesus, come into my heart and life. 
live in me. Take out all the bad stuff, all the stuff that's displeasing to you, and put yourself and your life in there, and he'll do it. And if when you do that, when you pray that, Lord, come into my Jesus, be my Savior. He will. And tell somebody about it. Let them know. And find you a good Bible-believing church that will nurture you in the admonition and in the reverence of God and help you to grow and mature like he wants you to. Father, I pray for those that may have heard and that will hear and that will respond. I thank you, Father God, for the salvation of souls. Lord God, that many will hear and will come to know you as Savior and Lord of their life. Father God, have your way in our hearts and lives. Guide and direct us as a church, Lord, that we'll continue to do what we can do to help in your kingdom, Lord. Help us to be sensitive. Help us, Lord, to seek your face. But, Father God, we look forward to what you're going to do because, Father, I believe that you're going to clean your house. You're going to purge all of the things that are not pleasing to you out, and you're going to send the power of your Holy Spirit in a mighty, mighty way in this house. And, Father, I thank you for it. I thank you, Father, that you go with us. That your word says you never leave us or forsake us. And I thank you, Father, that as we leave here tonight, we don't leave your presence. You go with us. And I thank you, Father, that you're with us and that you guide us and you direct us in all that we do, that we might bring honor and glory and praise to your name, Father. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Lord bless you guys for being here tonight. We'll see you hopefully Sunday morning.